Hey, Julie. Hey, Tony. Welcome to Love ADHD. We are on double digits, episode 10. Did you ever think we would get to double digits? Of course I did. I knew we'd do it. I did too. I did too. Okay. I want to start just before we say anything else, I want to share with you a story because this is Thanksgiving week and I know these episodes will be evergreen, but we're going to talk about things we're grateful for with our ADHD. But um, I want to know if you are familiar with this story because it's very near and dear to me. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So once upon a time, in the heart of America's inventive spirit lay the seeds of a rivalry that would forever change the face of Thanksgiving. And it began with a simple yet ingenious creation by the world's first Frisbee manufacturer, a family-owned business led by two ambitious brothers. Now, do you know where I'm going with this? No. Okay. Um, Because the Frisbee uh, originally was inspired by a centuries-old tradition, and it became the center of this unexpected twist actually in the history of Thanksgiving. So legend has it that the original Thanksgiving was not a feast, but it was a grand spirited game of what you would almost kind of call ultimate Frisbee today. The Native Americans with profound ingenuity crafted a disc and it was from soaked molded reeds and it was referred to as a peace Frisbee. And so the disc though, it was more than a toy. It was a symbol of harmony and it was tossed across rivers to send messages of peace and unity to neighboring tribes. Um, The ancient tradition then was at the heart of the Thanksgiving spirit. But uh, there was a dramatic turn of events that unfolded when the family that actually invented the modern day Frisbee, they had a rift and and it tore these two brothers apart. And it was all because of a love triangle. So the brother who won the heart of their shared love interest continued the Frisbee legacy while the other was consumed with jealousy. And he just became obsessed with rewriting history and then getting back at his brother. So fueled by spite, the scorn brother spun a tale that transformed Thanksgiving from a lively game of Frisbee into a somber feast. So he claimed the Native Americans and pilgrims celebrated with a bountiful meal, not with exercise and joy. So at the center of this meal, turkey. And it wasn't chosen for its flavor, but for its secret weapon, tryptophan. It's the drowsy chemical that you find in the aftermath of a turkey fuel feast. And he did that to spur sales of his latest invention, the recliner. So as Thanksgiving evolved, so did the narrative. So the Frisbee was forgotten. It was replaced by images of pilgrims and Native Americans that were sharing a meal. And the recliner brothers' plan seemed to work because families then fueled by a post-turkey slumber turned to recliners for comfort. But meanwhile, Thanksgiving became notoriously known, which I'm sure you're aware of, as the slowest weekend of Frisbee sales of the whole year. So, but then whispers of this truth did linger and conspiracy theorists began to uncover this hidden history. So they spoke of the original peace Frisbee and its message of unity. And they questioned the sudden shift in the Thanksgiving narrative and pointed out to the suspiciously timed invention of the recliner. So theories have abounded about the recliner brothers' manipulative tactics, his his deliberative promotion of the turkey feast, and his efforts to bury the true spirit of Thanksgiving under a mountain of stuffing and gravy. So to this day, and I'm sure again, now you know where we're headed, the debate rages on. Is Thanksgiving a legacy of peace and playful Frisbee games, or is it a clever ruse to sell recliners? And I think the answer lies hidden in the shadows of history, waiting for the next curious soul to unravel the mystery of the great Thanksgiving Frisbee conspiracy. Julie, your thoughts? You know, I think I have heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that before you told me that. I have. I knew it the whole time, but I wanted you to feel good. Yeah get it all out right because you've I'm heard that sure. story i mean everybody I, knows I this story i've of, heard it before yeah. everybody knows it 
hopefully they're not bored. They're like, every Thanksgiving we hear this story. Right. Tony. The peace frisbee yeah. and the history of the recliner. So do you know what I'm, Absolutely. You know what I'm grateful mm-hmm. for this, this Thanksgiving from ADHD? What are you grateful for? Uh, creativity and impulsivity. You know, because uh, that story, Julie, you'll be shocked to know I made that up. <laughs> no. I did. No, I did. <laughs> yeah. And I was narcissistic and said that I'd heard it before. Oh, Julie. Okay, so I'm recording an episode uh, earlier today of my Waking Up to Narcissism podcast. And that podcast I've shared with you, the numbers kind of blow me away. It's it's almost twice as big as my virtual couch podcast. I, I'm blown away by that. And the Waking Up to Narcissism one, at the last minute, I'm doing one on narcissism and conspiracy theories, which is a fascinating topic in and of itself. And then I really did think, you know what? Last second, I want to create my own conspiracy theory. So then I think, why not create one around Thanksgiving? And so I got together with my friend, Chat GPT, and then we came up with that conspiracy. I knew that was Chat GPT. Oh, come on. <laughs> I had, had Chat GPT written all over it. No, it was great. It was so well written. It was great. I just was like, there's no way you wrote this. Okay. <laughs> there's and, no way. Well, I appreciate it. But what's so funny mm-hmm. is I really, on that podcast, and it's, you know, it's hitting the top 100 of the, the 56,000 podcasts in the mental health category. And so then I'm sitting there and I think, wow, I just impulsively wrote a conspiracy theory with the challenge on the episode to try to talk about that over Thanksgiving so that then some emotionally immature narcissistic person in my own emotional immaturity will then kind of do exactly what you were, I know you were jokingly doing and go, oh no, I, I knew that. No, they don't because I literally made it up this morning before uh, I recorded the episode. Are you going to have people report back? I did. If- it happens. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I know, right? As we were talking about recording this episode today, which I guess will go out the day after Black Friday, it'll go Black Friday, which we should talk about that because Black Friday now starts like the week before, which I don't understand that at all. For real. And I like that you're rolling your eyes because you're a young kid. I mean, I don't know if you remember the days of the actual day after Thanksgiving that you would go wait in lines at places. Did you ever do that? I do. I was an infant, but oh. I remember because I remember things even from when I was an infant. Do you? I'm supposed to be a narcissist this whole episode, right? Was that the, is that your role? But doesn't that seem like something a narcissist oh. says? They're like, oh no, I do remember when I was six months old. Like other people don't, but I do. Oh, for sure. Actually, yes, I do hear that one in that world. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but I did ask for okay. people to respond. That's impulsive and it is creative. And that is because of ADHD, because I think in theory, someone would have already had a podcast that's going out to that many people scripted. And then I can't deviate. And I just thought, well, this would be fun. So thank you, ADHD. I'm grateful for it. Good job, Tony. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So real quick, Julie, how many internet browser windows do you have open? Two. How many tabs? Oh, sorry. One one browser, two tabs on that browser. Are you serious? That's all? Tony, you and I are different, okay? Hey. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't do what you do. I have one browser. My problem is throwing away too many things, deleting too many things. Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's too much stimulus. Do I not have ADHD? Are we undiagnosing me? No, right no, no. I was moment? just I was counting on the one window. I have forty five tabs open, and on the other one, I only have eighteen. But then on the third window, I only have six tabs. So that's not bad, right? What works? What makes you cope best? That would be a living nightmare for me. Yeah. There's a similar route why you actually do that extreme and I do my extreme. I think so. And I think this part of that playing into the right kind of difficult. And so for me, I mean, I kind of don't mind at all having all these tabs open because it's so many fun, exciting things that I can get back to. And there's a new, oh, there's a new thing. And there's a new thing. And I remember that thing. And I don't, 
it doesn't stress me out. I'm wanting to tell jokes and say, what does this organization and, and neatness do for you, Julie? I don't function well with all of those tabs open because the way I see it, my brain has so many tabs going on at once to then have tabs open on the computer too. Yeah. Today I was playing pickleball this morning. I am thinking so much about so many important things while playing pickleball. I never know the score. I'm oh. always in another world half the time. And it is like such a, a mental battle to stay focused. And I love pickleball, but there's so much going on in life right now that I'm like solving all the problems or mostly just worrying about them. And oh, what score? The game's over and I don't even know what just happened. Yeah. I don't know if that's ADHD or just life. There's so many thoughts all the time. Yeah. There's so many. It's so much. When things are cluttered, I feel really, 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 really 15 times overwhelmed. But I'm working on it. What I like, though, is some of the feedback I'm hearing is that there is an appreciation for, first of all, our witty banter. But next up is the differences that we do have in uh, our ADHD. Because in that realm, it's funny because I can have a million things going on and, and give me something like the score of playing pickup basketball or something like that. And I am that guy that's like, oh, I always know the score and I don't know why. Not that it's like I have to make sure that people are, it's right or I don't want to get hosed, but that's one thing where, okay, I can, I can make sense of a, of a score, even though there's a lot of things going on in my brain. And I think that is kind of crazy because why that thing and check that out. That's the way it works. So here's an interesting thing. The group I play in, they're all really good at keeping track of the score. Yeah. Therefore, I've like defaulted that I don't need to carry that in my brain. Yeah. But the other day, I was the teacher with someone that was learning, oh, I know the score to an annoying point because I'm actually incredibly competitive. Yeah. It's a structure to focus on. It's a deadline type thing where I know where we're going. I know what to expect. But if someone else, I know that they're always going to know the score, then I can let go. Yeah. So Unless I think they're a liar and just, that they're going to say they beat me when they didn't. Okay. And then I, That's a whole other thing. Now we're talking rejection and we're talking unfairness. And I'm just talking this one out loud. I don't have an answer for this one, but I'm fixated a little bit on emotional consistency just in my therapy practice right now and kind of in my life. But then I do feel like there's a concept here where there's a good and a challenging version of all of that. Because if somebody, they have to know the score all the time, regardless of the situation, and they become that annoying person that what's the score? What's the score? What's the, I thought it was this. This is a score. Versus the person that I like what you're saying, if you feel uh, safe or comfortable in one situation, then I can let that go. But if it's on me to be the person that is teaching this person, now I've got my hyper focus, not black or white or all or nothing, but a little bit more of the ambiguity. It can look this way sometimes and this other way other times, which I think is more of that kind of a sign of emotional maturity in a sense, or at least I'm going to tell myself that. I think so. Since we are looking at Thanksgiving and we already shared the okay. everybody's favorite story of the peace frisbee. It's the ADHD characteristics that I'm most thankful for are, and this is from ADDITUDE magazine, which I really enjoy, Attitude magazine. Um, is that the way you spell attitude? I always call it ADDITUDE, <laughs> but it's attitude, right? No, attitude spelled with T's. Attitude. There you A-T-T-I. go. Note to McKinley Overbay doing the editing. Please edit that out so your father doesn't sound so... <laughs> Leave it in for <laughs> sure. I didn't go to college to be a second grade teacher for nothing. Okay. I can spell attitude. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's all right. We can't all know the things I know. That's really fun. I know, right? Okay. You always get to be You are. The, and that's a fun one because I will own that. I've enjoyed it. It even says celebrating 25 years, this online magazine. And I've looked at that every time and I've always thought, oh, I always call it attitude, but it's ADDitude, but it's not because that's the way you spell attitude, but it is not. So thank you, Julie Lee. 
You're welcome. Okay, so happy to help. Uh, this article it is by the Attitude Editors or ADD Attitude Editors, and it says my creativity has blessed me at every stage of my life. And this is whoever is writing this says my grandkids and I write songs or make videos. I do sing-alongs at my mom's nursing home. Being ADHD is a roller coaster ride, but I love the thrills along the way. What a wonderful quote from Julie. We are going to go through these traits that people claim or like to say are the ADHD characteristics that they are most thankful for. And I would love to know what experiences come to mind, pro or con for these experiences. So Mm. talk about hyper-focus. Is that something that you are grateful for or love? Yes. Tell me more. I actually really love it. I love it when I get into a project, when I clean, man, there is such a high, oh, and I de-junk. There is such a natural high for me when I create outer order, Mm. outer order, inner calm. Yes, the inner calm that comes for someone that is like got a lot of thoughts going on all the time, the inner calm that comes when the outer is order because I've just cleaned the crap out of it and organized the crap out of it and ignored everything else in my life. It's magic. I love that kind of hyper-focus. And same with my work. When I can hyper-focus in on my work and speaking, and I just feel like I'm stepping into my own. This is what I was always made to do. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. Hey, say something else I think I hyper-focus on, which maybe I don't give myself enough credit for, is the way I parent. Okay. I think I'm a very, very intentional parent. Very intentional as in I think about every single thing I say to my kids. Uh-huh. I think about pretty much everything I say to them. But I don't do that with everyone. That's why that's interesting to me because obviously I find it important because as someone that can be blunt and can be impulsive, what's interesting is I am very calculated in how I speak to my children. Hmm. Why do you think that is? I think there's a hyper focus maybe there. I think that my own therapy and work on myself and things that I know would have been helpful to me as a kid. I think that I have a very strong motivation to be the best I can be for them mm. because I know the influence I can have. Okay. I like that. Uh, kids are supposed to be our muse. We talk about differentiation. They bring up a, an emotion or a feeling in me. It is a me issue. And what a joy that I get to then take that pause and react appropriate or accordingly uh, versus like I just lose it and I apologize and I lose it and I apologize and then create this anxious attachment with a kid. So I appreciate what you're doing. I see you, Julie. See what I did? Thanks. That's your book. Is it? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, I love hyperfocus. And even in the article, there's a quote from a therapist that I think I could have written myself. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I honestly do not have that experience, though, where I hyperfocus and I lose track of time. And so that's the stuff I love where when you look at the characteristics of ADHD, I used to feel like I wasn't doing ADHD well when I would all of a sudden, you know, wake up and it's been three hours and I think it's been five minutes. So I don't necessarily have that one. Do you have that? I do have a tendency to fit in as absolute the most amount of things I can. Sure. And be late everywhere. Oh, okay. Except I'm not late to work things in general. Okay. Things I'm being paid for. Yeah. So obviously I'm capable of being on time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's interesting. And that's something I have to own. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's a funny session. I have to own that. I had a session today where the person was doing the, I can't get up or whatever. And I just threw out the do you ever golf in the morning? He's like, oh, I love it. And I was like, it's kind of funny. Like, you ever relate to golf? It's like, no, never. You know, it's like, oh, interesting. We just let that one sit. <laughs> no, yeah, that one's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. This therapist said, the trait that comes most to mind is my hyperfocus and my work as a therapist. And I was like, oh, I know this one. 
My hyperfocus allows me to be very present with my clients and the forgetting disorganization and time mismanagement that frustrates the heck out of me and others almost melt away. I love that because sometimes I feel like it is a gift from God himself to suggest a career change in my 30s because I was not as productive in that computer industry as I thought I needed to be. And I would continually do the what's wrong with me and I just need to try harder and oh my gosh. And then this is a thing that I I love like nothing else. And then when I'm in with a client, I am in with a client. And I love what she said there that the forgetting disorganization and time management um, just melt away. And then she says, I do need to be mindful of my impulsivity and tendency to interrupt because I get excited about some breakthrough statement a client's expressing. And I want to jump in right there, but I catch myself a couple of words into my interruption and say, sorry, go ahead. And so far, they almost always do. I could have written that and I might have, I might have forgotten about it actually. I love that about hyperfocus. What a stellar therapist. What a blessing for other people. I love that. So fun. I took a new client a couple of weeks ago and they said, you know, I know you have ADHD. They actually like the podcast, Julie. That's so fun to hear that. And and they said, I have it as well. And then my go-to joke is, well, we're getting about a session and a half here in the next 50 minutes because we're just vibing. We're going and it it, it is really fun. So I already made my jokes about creativity with the uh, Peace Frisbee. Tell me about creativity. Is that a, a gift you are thankful for? Yeah, it is. And I don't think it's something I've given myself enough credit for. It's come more from other people bringing it up to me. I think the more and more I've learned to trust and believe other people, the more I'm owning it, the more I'm like, I am pretty creative and bright in these situations. I come up with solutions. It feels more vague to me to understand what that looks like for me. But I think in part because it's a natural thing. Yeah. And I always thought of creative people as good drawers. Same. I don't know. Absolutely. Drawers, artists. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not me so much. What does it look like to be creative? For me, I'm getting there. So yes, I'm thankful for it. Do I understand it in my life as much? Not so much. Yeah. Figuring that one out. I love what you said though about, I always assumed too, it was like drawing and painting and things like that. But then, I mean, quite frankly, I'll own that tonight I was a little bit in charge of putting this together and we put it together while we got on the call together. So that's uh, very creative, I hope. 100%. That's where I'm starting to see it more and more. Like I can function pretty well on the fly almost all the time yeah. and just come up with stuff. I can walk into a classroom and I have no plan, right? I just walk in and then I just do a lesson and it ends up being crazy and we're acting out. I can do that pretty darn comfortably. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned before, sometimes I'll go sub in my kids' school with them when their teachers are gone. And at one point I took the kids into a meditation and I did this whole storyline and had them meditate about their gifts and all of these things. And the student teacher was sitting there watching me. She was like, that was incredible. Like, do you always do that for presentations with your books? And I was like, no, I just literally walked around and thought of it. And that's yes. not to pat myself on the shoulder, but I used to think this was weird about me. It was weird. Yeah. But the more I'm getting words for it, I'm oh, not everyone does that. And I, I can kind of pull it off. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, because I love that. I love this. I think people are going to identify with that. Are there times where it maybe doesn't quite go as well as you had hoped? Never. Sorry, I went back to the narcissist. Sorry, 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 sorry. I keep forgetting. No, I'm just kidding. No, there are times. Oh, there are times. But I will say, I know me at my peak performance and other people don't. So I will say a lot of the times when for me, I'm like, no, that was the absolute worst. Other people are like, that's that was pretty yeah. good, you know? And I'm like, you have no idea how bad that was. <laughs> yeah. No, I like <laughs> right? that. But I'm a pretty good faker. You yeah. know, I can I can fake it. But no, there's, there's, yeah, for sure there's times when it doesn't go well. 
Hence, people have witnessed it at the end. We never plan out what we're going to say for our love note at the end. It is always on the fly. I'm just going to say that, right? It's always on the fly. Both of us have had a time like that where, like, by then we're like, and um, love ADHD. We sound eloquent. We sound like we maybe even planned it. And then all of a sudden it stops and I have nothing left. Yes. Yes. And that's something that happens when you're on the fly all the time. That's a a vulnerability piece people get to witness right here. I love that. One of the times when you were there, I did a thing five hours in Wallsburg, Utah for leading saints. And I could have gone another eight hours and then follow up two weeks later. And I got to do some 35 minute class to a bunch of teenagers and I'm at 25 minutes. I'm kind of thinking, I think I'm done, you know? So uh, yeah, who wants to play hangman? And I hadn't done that in a long time. Yeah. Because it's not your right kind of difficult, right? Yeah, that wasn't in that day. It really wasn't. Yeah, it's a tough crowd. Oh, yeah. Teaching kids or teaching adults. Yeah, teaching kids. Oh, yeah. I'm like on top of the world. We've talked about this. And like two hours in, I'm like, I hate this. But yeah, when I'm vibing with adults and speaking and we're workshopping, it goes by in a flash, you know? The five things that the article says that they're great for in case Mm. you've gotten confused are hyper-focus, creativity, impulsivity, curiosity, and great people skills. Okay. Impulsivity. Now, when I started looking into ADHD for female adults, that is the one that screamed out to me as me the most. Yeah. Because I have heard that word used with me so much, especially in the last 18 months since I've become single. And so therefore, I kind of do things my own way now. And yeah. there's not another adult around to be like, let's do it this way. I'm just going to do it the way it works for me. And I can be very spontaneous and impulsive, which is super fun. That can be really hard for other people sometimes. Yes. I am grateful for it because I get a lot done and I'm very brave in a way that I don't think I would be if I weren't so impulsive. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, let's do it. I knew that's a great idea. Once again, does it backfire? Yes. Sometimes it does. I will say for the amount of times it's awesome, I will take the backfire. Yeah, I agree. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. And there are times when I've chosen to not do the impulsive thing because I'm aware of it. However, the nature of the things that I do, I feel like I'm in a pretty safe place. There's impulsivity that could be incredibly destructive. I'm not spending millions of dollars that I don't have. Do you know, I just spend the millions I do have. Yes. You know, that's the headline. Uh, Julie has millions of dollars. That's what I'm going to get out of tonight. It's funny. It's a funny thought. Curiosity. I think it makes me a less judgmental person of other people so i'm grateful for that and then great people skills you are literally a professional public speaker it's the best yeah i don't know that everyone would say i have great people skills but i like people a lot and most of the time they like me back yeah and the times they don't it usually has something to do with that hyper focus and probably that impulsivity piece both of those two and that's okay. It is okay. And I'm glad you said that. Not that, for everybody. That, and from a differentiated standpoint, and I'm saying this with the love, that is someone else's issue because it's not up to me to then make that person happy with me, which is hard I to know. say, especially when we talk about things like that, rejection sensitivity or that sort of thing. I talk often about when I try to discover my values, I love authenticity and I love curiosity. You know, that whole concept, finding value-based activities to do when one is noticing that they are feeling down or sad or any of those sort of things is turning to a value-based activity. And that's my go-to when I notice that I am ruminating or worrying, or then I, I love to just be curious about anything. And I can turn to my phone and I can look something up. Or if uh, I just think that that's such a superpower of being curious. And as a matter of fact, my daughter Mackie's home, Mackie and Wendy were putting a puzzle together a couple nights ago. 
And we were talking about something to do with an evolutionary biology or whatever it was. And then I pull up this quote that I read about wheat being um, one of the evolutionarily sound things ever because uh, people break their backs for wheat and they labor under the sun for wheat. It was this book all about wheat. And I just thought, I don't think Mackie or Wendy really cared much about the discussion of wheat. I enjoyed it, you know, because I was very curious about, about that kind of fun. Who has the love ADHD? Tonight. I think it's you, my friend. I know. I was hoping you were just... Or we can do a sentence at a time. Let's try that. Yeah, yeah. Funsies, and okay. we'll see how that goes. Do you remember the story of when you did the love note for Peter? Yeah. He and I went and had lunch last week. I am dead serious. He said I could say this. He happens to have his own podcast now, and he's been on his own self-journey, like figuring out his life. It's his who podcast. He is, and I'll look it up. Okay. But he goes by Fifle Taylor, but it's Peter Taylor, and he said I could say all this, and he wants me to come on his podcast, which means probably you will too. He were buddies in high school. Well, and I say buddies, we actually weren't buddies. We were acquaintances that went to similar parties once in a while. Okay. He had this really big realization moment when you said, dear Peter, he said it was like he was speaking to me. Like he had that really cool experience while you read that note, which you Aww. didn't read. You said off I the did, fly. right? He wanted to meet up for lunch and we talked all about it. And it was really cool as he's trying to figure out himself and why certain things have been hard and why he really excels. He really felt like you were speaking to him. It's called shuffle the perspective. See oh, what others see. The, Doesn't it just sound like gold? Yeah, it does. Shuffle. He's working on a book. And so he was kind of talking to me. I've kind of discovered you this last year and watching what you put out. There's a lot of crossover and similarities here, but I'm a dude and he's excited and I'm excited for him because sometimes dudes being more vulnerable isn't always been the most popular no not at all thing that it's a different thing for dudes. it's their similarity but like it's different and so i'm so excited about what he's putting together and he's figuring out about himself because now i can say to people that are dudes hey if you want to listen to another dude talk about this stuff boom I got your guy i love it peter okay so today we're talking to claude dear claude happy thanksgiving buddy um hey how about you hop out of that recliner and set your frisbee down and Come on over here and let's talk about something. Let's talk about me, ADHD. There are a lot of things about me to be thankful for. Some of these things might include your ability to hyper-focus, your crazy creativity, your fun, spontaneous impulsivity, your curiosity about life and people. And oh man, how about those people skills? They are fun and they make you unique. And I just want you to know there's a lot to be grateful for about me, not to put myself on a pedestal or anything, but I'm kind of a big deal and I do good things for you a lot of the time. So, you know, grab that Frisbee and get outside and love, love ADHD. ADHD. All the wind went out of my sails. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, Tony. You as well, Julie Lee. Bye, everybody.